Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right left chronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins. Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, Episode 71. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews, and we're joined in the studio today by celebrity stylist David Blackstock and the beautiful and talented Jennifer Flowers. Hi, crew. Hey. How are you? Hello. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. I'm not in the same studio. I don't have the visual clue, so I'm just going to let you guys talk. So I wore this low-cut dress just for you, and oh, you're not here to see no. it. Oh, Grace, you should have told me. See? I should have. Because it's wasted on her. I didn't and David. Burst your bubble. <laughs> and David. <laughs> okay. Well, we're very excited to have David Blackstock here with us. Thank you. I guess we'll just get started. My dad always reminded me that we all come into this world naked and vulnerable. What happens to us next is really just the luck of the draw. Regardless, what we do with the lessons we learn and comprehend, or don't, define us as one of two kinds of people, victim or survivor. As everybody knows, Connor and I love politics, but nothing rivals the real-life stories we encounter along the way, and quite frankly, hope to showcase more frequently in the future here on Dueling Dialogues. What are we most fascinated by? Well, people that rise above adversity and thrive personally and professionally. Today, as we said before in studio, all the way from Fort Worth, Texas, we have author and celebrity hairstylist, David Blackstock. Hello, how are you today? Great. Wonderful. So excited to have you down here in the Ozarks. It's wonderful to be here, thank you. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Okay. After all, every story starts at the beginning. David, where did you begin? I began in Texas in a trailer park. I was born and raised in trailer parks. I didn't live in a real house until I met my uh, first boyfriend and moved into an apartment. So I'm truly trailer park trash <laughs> with with a little bit of class thrown in there, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, I, I was, and I'm very proud of that. I, I believe that no matter where you're from or what you come from, you should always be proud of who you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say that I was raised in a trailer park and I made my dreams come true through that. Absolutely. And yes. I'm a Texan on top of that. So that, that gives oh, you a little bit of an extra Yeah, push. Don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Especially I love if you're Texas. from a trailer park. And you did it in a big way, right? I, well, I tried to. In, <laughs> in my world, I, I had very humble dreams growing up. And uh, if I didn't know my dreams were going to come true, then I would have probably dreamt a little bit bigger. But for the dreams that I had, it was a big deal for me. That's awesome. You know, the human condition is often amazing. Survivors are often steered back into a situation that mirrors in some way their original demise. For the strong, it seems they are actually just trying to get it right. David, um, do you feel there is a correlation between your chaotic childhood with your mom and the career that has you so up close and personal with women? Well, well I was... 
I was raised around women, but I was also raised around men. My family both came from humble beginnings. My father's family came from a uh, very backwoodsy little community called Goatneck. And uh, my mother came from a small town. So I was raised bouncing between going fishing and going hunting and hanging out with my dad and my uncles. And they would drink and I would drive the car for them while they were drinking. And I was like 10 years old. And then I would go back to my mother's trailer house and my stepdad, and I would have to take care of her because she was a prescription drug addict. And um, I think she did it to to numb whatever pain she had. And uh, I was the youngest out of three boys. She had three other sons, had her first kid when she was 16. Oh and by the time she was 21, she had been married two times and had three boys. And I asked my brother one time, I said, you know, you were a lot older than me. So when I was born and you knew the situation that I was in, why didn't you come and get me? And he said, well, he said, we were raised with the same mom that you were raised with. She took pills when we were kids also. And he said she had driven her other boys away from her. And she had you for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to have something to love. And we were not going to go up at a 19-year-old or a 16-year-old and say, excuse me, we're going to take the only thing that you have left from you. And uh, he said, so there was no alternative. You had to stay with mom because- So she adored you. She adored me. My mother adored me. And I always knew my mother adored me. And like I said, she had her problems. And, but may uh, I interject something sure. here from what David has told me? His mother, even though she had her issues, Lord knows we all do, uh, was a very strong woman. Mm -hmm. And she was very definite in her opinions. Uh, she she didn't let anybody push her around. So she self-medicated. She taught David some very good values, even though she had her problems. So she was functional. She was mm -hmm. she was functional. Yeah. But I mean, she she didn't let anybody as a female push her around. And I think that David is drawn to women like that. He's mm -hmm. strong women. Strong women. Strong yeah. women. Yeah. So. So um, anyway, so I was my mother's keeper, and um, I just always had, and I always stayed, spent a lot of time in my bedroom. I would lock myself away and listen to Dolly Parton records and Tina Turner and all this, because that was my escape, and I created a fantasy world. And uh, when my mother passed away when I was 15, mm. I realized that I was going to be able to have a life. I felt free. And you I, did I feel felt free. guilty. I, I came home after the funeral, and it was a couple of days later. I was sitting in the trailer house, and it was quiet. And I knew that I was not going to have to go through what I had been through with my mother, that it was over, and I could start living my life. It made me extremely sad. But I knew that basically I was 15, and I was on my own. Because but relieved. I was relieved, yeah. yeah. And that I could pursue anything that I wanted to pursue because I didn't have anybody telling me what to do because I was basically an unsupervised child because, right. you know, the black stocks didn't want to have anything to do with me because they looked at me as a problem because of my mother and my father. And I knew none of my mother's brothers until I met them at my mother's funeral. So I was free to really live my dreams and I had nothing to lose. So, so did you just very much stay there at 15 by yourself? I stayed with my stepfather, and my dad wanted me to come live with him. And I said, I'm not living with you. 
I said, you know, you would say I'm going to go get a carton of milk or whatever, and you'd be gone for a month and leave my mother and I with nothing and get evicted out of our uh, trailer or wherever we were living. And my stepfather provided a, a stable home for me. And so I asked, I said, can I please stay with you until I become of age? And he said, well, son, I really don't have any legal boundary to you, but you, you're welcome to stay here with me. And so I did. My, my father agreed to it because he knew that I was going to run away from him. So yeah. How scary, though. Well, it was scary, but after what I had been through as a kid and, and with my mom and everything, I didn't think about it being scary. It was just something that... Scary uh, was his norm. Yeah, scary was my norm. Exactly, Jennifer. So and did you so, have PTSD or anything like that when you I were I think I have some of it now. I think I think that my anxiety and, and my high blood pressure, I have panic attacks. I hate to go to the doctor. My blood pressure will go up to 190 if I have to go to the doctor because oh I had God. spent so many times uh, having to go to the emergency room with my mom. And I remember walking home one night from a Christmas party that the kids had in this little town. And I had lights on the trailer house. And my mother would plug the lights in, you know, and I would come home at night and the lights would be on. And one night I came home and those lights weren't on. And I started getting sick to my stomach because I knew that when I walked in there, it was not going to be good. Right. And sure enough, I walked in there and she had passed out and she had fallen out of the back door of the trailer house onto the ground and there was no step. Oh, my. And so I had to call an ambulance and they knew me by name, you know, sure. and uh, they had to come and get my mom. And I remember she didn't have on a top. She's had on a bra and I remember dressing her a little bit so when the amulet attendants got there that she would look somewhat presentable and of course sure. then they just rip it all off because they yeah, have to do right. their thing but you know but I just remember walking up to that trailer thinking well the, the lights are not on so she's out of it because she didn't plug the lights in wow so, but now you love those bright lights now I love those bright lights yeah yes. exactly <laughs> different kind of bright lights those LEDs are really great now oh they are they are but you, you can't like buy them for the wrong light yeah. And you can't buy them for a dimmer. <laughs> you can you'll have you, a you'll have an accident. Yes. You know, our lights started flashing off on Sunday because I tried to put the oh, LEDs in the dimmer. Yeah. There. Yeah, a little safety thing there. So talking about women. Talking about women. Fabulous women. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about some of these fabulous women. Well <laughs> besides Jennifer. Well, you know, I, I think any woman can be fabulous. I think it's all up to oh, them. Oh God love you're you. Pretty you fabulous, know, I, I do. I you're, you know you're, she's fabulous. She's fab yeah, she's I see fabulous women on ever all day. The one of the first fabulous women I ever met was the hairdresser that I'll talk about in that book. She was a young girl and she was a hairdresser. And uh, one day I was walking home from school and she had on these tight uh, blue jeans and a yellow little tank top type thing and she had all this pretty brown hair and feathers in her ears and she was driving a 280ZX oh. and I just thought she was the prettiest Fancy. thing I'd ever seen and she had on those cork high heel shoes remember back in the 70s oh, yeah. and I thought she looked like a Charlie's Angel <laughs> and so I walked in there and I said hi my name's David and she said well I'm Twala do you need a haircut and I was like yeah Gosh, me. <laughs> and boy, she, she said, well, okay. And I didn't even really have, I didn't know how much money I had. And uh, I said, well, how much is a haircut? And she said, 12. Well, $12 in 1977 might as well have been 50. Absolutely. She said, well, let's cut your hair and you, you can pay me later. So she leaned me back in the shampoo bowl and I had all this brown curly hair and she started running those long fingernails through my hair and shampooing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, this is really good. This is awesome. And so she put me in the chair and started cutting my hair, and she was listening to the Eagles. 
And then a couple of college guys came in and they sat down and, and then she got the blow dryer out with the bit brush and made me look like Barry Gibb. And from there on, <laughs> oh my God. I was hooked. That was it. But I loved that atmosphere. I loved that yeah. you just walked in there and it's a whole different world. Well, you know, what woman doesn't like to go? No, I mean, I love Ty Barnes does my hair. He's just one of my favorite people in the whole world. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love him. I am loyal to him. Mm -hmm. You know, even when he does something stupid, like he did the other day, I forgot to write down my appointment. Oh, doesn't no. matter. Yeah. We love that person. We yeah. tell that person they're things. For you. Well, you know? And, and yeah. it's a very intimate thing. And they touch you. And it is. It's intimate. Especially with Special today's um, salon suites. You're in this small, intimate area. The yeah. door is shut. Yeah. And it's just you and your client and yeah. at their most vulnerable. You know, you're putting color on their hair and you don't know if they've had a bad day or a good day. But the time that they're there, I want to make them feel good. And right. um, I've got clients, God love them, that I started doing when they were in college. And now these girls are grown and got kids and some of them live in Dallas, but they still come to me. Let's and give it's a, the it's name of your book. Give the name of David's book. It's very good. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Book. It's an amazing Yeah. Book. Actually, yeah. that's mostly why we're here. The Insider's yeah. Guide to Earning 100K as a Self-Employed Salon Pro. Yes, ma'am. And, and that's, uh, not, that's, that's hard. I mean, that's we're not, not necessarily owning your own salon either. That's, mm -hmm. that's, well, that's I saw Eric as something that could be used in other businesses. Yes. I'll yes. tell you what most interested me is that economists say over and over again, making money in a business that caters to well-to-do people uh -huh. is difficult. Mm -hmm. more difficult than a business that caters to the middle class. How do you do it? I mean, they're not as loyal sometimes as the middle class, the elite. And you've certainly mm -hmm. had the creme de la creme. Yes. Well, on my on your daily clientele of wealthy women, the, the key is to find a wealthy woman who is down to earth. That, 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 that makes sense. David actually interviews people before they can become a client. I do sometimes. To make it's, sure that the like going out on a date. I want to make sure this is going to work before we invest any time in this. You know, That's a great but, idea. But the wealthy... And, and I don't want to say wealthy, but the women of means that I've had come into me, the Fort Worth elite, which every town has, you know, right. the food, well, you're food people. you Hollywood all the time, too. Yeah. But even the Hollywood people that I know, they're very down-to-earth people. And uh, it's the shallow ones that I don't really click with. And I can see it, and I just sense it. But I think finding a woman who is secure with who she is, and she knows that all that social stuff is a bunch of bullshit, but she's going to play the game because that's her life. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, she, she, she knows what's going on, and she doesn't buy into it. So Excellent. those are really a lot of the women. And it's the same thing with show business women, you know, like Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers exactly. was a working woman in show business. And a workaholic. A workaholic. Put, and when she would walk into a, a club to do her act or the Bass Hall in Fort Worth, Texas, it was her assistant, her, and one piece, of, one piece of luggage. And out of that one piece of luggage came all of her outfits, her dressing mirror, everything. She would unpack everything, set everything up, go out on stage, do her thing, come back, put everything in little Ziploc bags, all her clothes back into one suitcase, and walk out the stage door. Oh my gosh! Not a big entourage, not not all these big yeah. clothing things. Everything went into Ziploc bags and one suitcase. That's amazing. Yeah, it and is. It, uh, and, and just like we were talking before, gosh, I miss her. 
Yeah, she was a very sweet lady, very quiet in private and very soft spoken. And uh, but the rest of the time she was working, she would go into her host spiel. So, so you didn't expect to hear that she was so quiet. No, I, I'm still a little astonished. Yeah, she was yeah. very quiet. And and she when I would do nice her hair, and she'd be going over her notes, she would say, "You have a very good touch. You allow me to work, but you don't disturb me." She said, "You're a very good hairdresser." And so she just knew little things to say to put you at ease. You know? Oh, she was brilliant. So yeah, she was. which meant she cared. Well, yeah, yeah and she didn't she miss a trick, did she? I mean, comedians, a lot of times, they notice everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she was, her act was very detailed. It was. Her yeah. monologue. Yeah. yeah, I was in. I was in it. <laughs> yeah. Were you? Oh, my goodness. Tell us. Tell us. I can't remember the joke. Oh, I was honored. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> She always found it interesting that Jennifer and I were best friends. She said, who else would a gay hairdresser have as a best friend besides Jennifer Flowers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? She said, I love it that your best friend's a scandal queen. It's perfect. Oh, I love and she, it. She, asked, she said one day we were having lunch. She said, now your friend Jennifer, is she a good girl? Is she a good person? I said, she's a very good person. Oh, for I sure. I said, Jennifer's just somebody who followed her heart. And unfortunately, it was not the thing to do sometimes. But, <laughs> but the reason she did it, because she is a good person. She's a very loving and caring person. And so Joan said, so we like her a lot. And I said, yes, we like her a lot. Yeah. And she said, well, then I'll never say anything bad about her. So. so. And Anna Nicole. Remember Anna Nicole? Oh, yeah. Anna Nicole. Oh, yeah. What a beautiful yeah. woman. I didn't click with Anna Nicole. You didn't? No, I thought I would, a, but I didn't. She um, had that Marilyn Monroe beauty. I only oh, yes. did her hair a few times at her house. I met her at a party, and she didn't live far from Ruta. And so we exchanged pleasantries and phone numbers and everything. But I was not flamboyant enough for Anna Nicole Smith. She liked she liked very flamboyant people. Everybody around her had to be overly this and overly this. And I just wasn't that. I was too much of a Texan for her. I think I reminded her too much of where she came from. And then once she found out that my friend Mamie Van Dorn and I were very close, that pretty well sealed it. Because, you know, Anna was kind of a, a reproduction of what Mamie Van Dorn was. She was trying to be what Jane Mansfield was and Marilyn Monroe, Absolutely. where Mamie Van Dorn was the real deal. And I think that kind of rubbed her a little way, not in the best ways, but I think it just didn't set well with her. That, Mamie is an interesting. Yeah, Mamie Van Dorn is a very person. interesting woman. She has an uh, amazing history. She does. Today's her birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. And still a sex symbol. She looks like she's 30. And you still do her hair? No, I, I haven't seen Mamie in a few years. We're still close. When Mamie's husband retired, she decided she was going to spend the rest of her life being, her, being his wife. Oh, and she told me fabulous. one day during lunch, she said, when Thomas retires, you won't see me as much as you used to. And uh, But I, I have to be a wife to my husband because he's let me be Mamie Van Doren all these years. She said, it's not that I don't love you, but it's time for me to be a wife for my husband who has supported me. And I miss her, but I understand. Absolutely. And, uh, but we used to meet for lunch, and we've done a few things. She used to come to the Thalians all the time, and, and I would be her date for the night. And, and then my friend Alan Mercer is her private photographer, and they worked a lot. And uh, So can I tell that story about David was visiting me in Las Vegas, and we drove over to have lunch with Mamie and Alan mm -hmm. and Thomas. Uh-huh. And were, uh, we got there shoot. a little bit early, and, and uh, Alan was doing a photo shoot with Mamie, and they were just finishing up. So we, we sat down on a couch, 
and watched the remainder of the photo shoot and then to go to lunch. Now, Mamie is hot as a pistol. I mean, she had this, she just, she's amazing. Uh, at, at her age, like I said, she looks like she's 30. Her skin is gorgeous. Uh, so we're watching and she has this little tight suit on mm-hmm. with this little hat with a veil. And of course, Alan is the photographer. He's saying, oh, that's great, Mamie, you know, give me a little more sexy. Well, she just plopped her boob out. <laughs> I didn't know if I was supposed to look or turn my head. <laughs> look to David. Oh, I mean, it's not that I haven't seen oh, a boob, but I just felt a little awkward. I mean, she could have cared less. Yeah, we were how, sitting there. Oh my gosh, uh, and, that's uh, her today. And they, they <laughs> she is gorgeous. I she mean, is gorgeous. She is gorgeous for forty. Yeah. I yeah, mean, she's amazing. She's amazing, she's and I amazing. love her. And oh my you're gosh! Listening to this, Mamie, we love you and happy birthday. Yes, Mamie. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So much admiration for her and respect. And getting back to strong women, Mamie's a very strong woman. She, she, I mean, she looks like a woman, but she thinks like a man. And she's taught me a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but I'm attracted to strong women. I mean, you certainly are. And what about Rudely? She's your godmother? Rudely is my godmother. And okay. I always, when I go to talk to young hairdressers, I always tell them that I have a really, really wonderful life, but I also have a real fairy godmother. And my fairy godmother lives in Hollywood in this big castle on top of a hill, and she made all my dreams come true. And oh my gosh. Um, so, that gave me chills. <laughs> yeah, she, she makes all my dreams come true. And she did, and she still does today. Now, how old is she? Rudo is going to be, Jesus... She'd kill me, but she's going to be 83 on her birthday. Okay, okay. And uh, Yeah, and she's beautiful. She looks great. But I have a very good relationship with her, too. She keeps me grounded. One day, she was at the house uh, in Texas, and and we were going to color her hair. And and I said, well, let's go into the salon to color your hair, because I don't really like to do hair in my house. I I don't like to to separate it. And um, she said, well, honey, we'll just do it here uh, at the house. And I said, no. Well, Tony, my husband, was looking at me like, you know, Good luck on this. And so finally, I said, well, get dressed and let's go to the salon. And she said, honey, let's just do it here at the house. Jesus, it's just us. And I said, well, I don't really like to do hair in my house. Oh, well, excuse me, Mr. Hollywood hairdresser. You don't like to do hair in your house. Please get over there and let's do my hair. So I wound up doing her hair in the kitchen, then over the sink. And, you know, but uh, yeah, she don't, uh, she'll, she'll bring me down real quick. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I love her. She, she's she's a great, great person. And so you met Dolly. Did you I've do met, Dolly's I, hair before? I, no, I've met Dolly. I've, she's let me touch her hair up. Oh my her gosh. hairdresser was there with us. But yeah, I, love, I would just like to touch her hair. <laughs> I love But she, she let me have the honor of doing it because I told her it was my dream. And she's so darling. She, she is truly a sweet, sweet person. And what you see is basically what you get just sitting with her. And uh, I, I not one bad thing I think anybody can say about Dolly. She, she's just an outstanding person. I introduced her to my friend, Ruth Buzzy. She had always wanted to meet Ruth Buzzy. And I said, well, Laugh-in. I can bring her with me from Laugh-In. And she oh, said, well, yeah. I've always wanted to meet Ruth Buzzy. She said, I just My dad her. adored her. And so I brought That's her to the they concert. She and her husband. Oh, okay. The next weekend, because I do Ruth's hair, 
And Dolly was just so thrilled that I had brought Ruth Buzzy. And she told me, she said, I want to thank you for bringing Ruth to me because you gave me one of the best Christmas gifts as I got to meet somebody that I've never met. And she said, so thank you. So that meant so much to me that I was able to give her a little bit of a gift. And of course, Ruth loved her too. They were, they were hilarious together. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they were funny. How cute. And then Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre, she married my cousin Marvel Blackstock, and they got divorced in 2015. It was his doing, and uh, but Reba has gone on and has a good life, and Reba has just always kind of been a part of my life because Narvel. She seems like a rock. Is she a rock? She's yeah. She's she's like a she's like a dude girl. You know, she's not like all huggy. She's like patting you on the back and you, you want something to drink, and she's not real lovey dovey. Right. And I think that's why she's such a strong person because she was raised on a ranch. Yeah. Well, now she's the KFC uh, colonel now. Yeah, what do you oh, think about yeah, that? Yeah, that is awesome. I, I really love well, that. Well, it's quite a twist. It's, it's a yeah. twist, yeah. That was For everybody. Some marketing person yeah. came up with a good idea. Yeah, but I've always loved Freedom. We've always had a, a fairly good relationship, you know. Yeah. Um, I think she's always kind of kept... Oh, I think whenever celebrities get really, really big, I think they have to get to a point where they kind of have to kind of fence off some of the family. Oh, okay. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm kind of like in that the center. Yeah, I'm kind of in that center line with her. She doesn't really nail me off a whole lot, but I have a little bit to do with her a lot more than some of the black stocks do. And I think it's because of my career and we kind of move in the same circles and everything. So she's always treated Tony and I with a lot of respect. And Excellent. Uh, now, yeah. is her son still driving? Didn't Wasn't he driving a race car? He's a race car driver, Shelby. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a race car driver. And she was very supportive of that. I think he went to college one year in Arizona and didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. Well, as you can see over there, we have an old, well, He's passed away. But yes. We have a race car driver in our family. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So, so that uh, always interests me. But I thought he was still racing. Now, I love Broadway. Mm-hmm. Get ready to go to Manhattan next month. I love it. Yeah. Done some hair there. A little bit. My buddy Carol Channing, who I absolutely adore and love. Oh, yeah. She just turned 97. You know. Wow, these people live a long time. They I like this. Time. John Rivers told me one time, honey, you've got to start meeting younger people. You're not going to have anything left. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but, but I'm not intrigued with younger celebrities. We don't have we have celebrities. We don't have movie stars anymore. And so I'm not interested in doing a Kim Kardashian or whoever. I, to me, well, they're just Kelly that Clark. is different. She's, younger. Yeah, she's she she's a younger person. But I just don't feel I love old Hollywood glamour. Oh, I do too. I love yeah. old Hollywood glamour, and it's just that's something that's gone by the wayside. So you know, but I've had a good career. I got on the very end of old Hollywood, and I was telling Jennifer the other night that uh, I was very fortunate because when I came into the, a lot of these ladies' lives, they weren't real busy. So you know, I told them, "Oh, I love you, and I want to do your hair," and they said, "Oh, okay, well you." And can. So you really got to know them. I really got to know them because they they weren't busy doing certain things or making a lot of movies. So I it was wonderful for me. And Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. We were talking in the car on the way up here about Joan Collins. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He did Joan's hair a few times and her personality. Yeah. Interesting lady. Yeah. I touched her hair up for her book signing one time off the of La Cienega and something, and it was raining. We were in the back of the bookstore. Oh, but my gosh. Uh, she, you know, she doesn't hug or kiss. Don't try to kiss her. She oh, doesn't. she doesn't? Uh-uh. Well, it's about the lipstick. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's not real touchy-feely. I get that. 
and uh, Stephanie Powers. I grew oh up my gosh, and, Heart you know, to Heart was one of my favorites. And yeah. her and Ruta are very good friends. And you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself that Stephanie Powers is sitting next to me at the dinner table, and we're eating grilled chicken and asparagus together. And uh, how fabulous! Now she had yeah. cancer. She did. Did she? She's overcame it. She, she was. Did. Quite uh-huh. a smoker, wasn't she? Yes. At one time, uh-huh. and got one cancer, uh-huh. and yeah. she survived. I, yeah. She's another tough, tough broad. I mean, she runs the William Holden Wildlife Preservation in, in I think it's in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I read and that. she still does that. She has a place in England. She has a place in, in Hollywood. So she's very active. Yeah. And, and she never going. married, right? Nope. Yeah. Nope. I met a- her at one of the, uh, the, the Thalian uh, organization is a, a charity that benefits mental health in Hollywood. And Ruda and Debbie Reynolds were the chair persons of that for, for many, many years. Ruda would have a brunch after the ball. We would have a ball every year. Right. And uh, uh, at, the, at this brunch, Stephanie Powers was there with her mother. Oh. So I have a picture with my mother, Stephanie, and her mother, mm-hmm. which I treasure. Oh, I bet. She's very, very nice. Yes. I enjoyed meeting her. She's so beautiful. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I don't know. There was an unusual beauty about her mm-hmm. in the yes. 70s Gray and 80s. Hair yeah. And moved and- yeah, and, yeah. And she did sort of represent a feminism that was softer than we see now. Yes. Yeah, you know, she was yeah. in charge, uh-huh. but yeah, very female. Very female. Yeah, yeah, I loved her. Yeah, she she was great. Going going back to the Thalians now, that the Thalians help Operation Men, our soldiers in need, and so oh they kind of shifted gears a little bit, and they did that while Debbie was still living. So uh, Ruta is still, you know, she's not heading it up anymore, but she's definitely involved yeah. in it yeah. and everything. So I just wanted to put that out in case Ruta's Debbie listening. Reynolds. She's going to know that dumb I mean, schmuck didn't say well, anything about did. Operation Men. So <laughs> yeah, because you know our boys that come back, they get ignored because of the uh, oh something the, terrible yeah. or losing several each day to suicide yeah exactly um, PTSD so is is rampant and uh, no one's doing enough for them yeah well exactly. Ruta, Ruta and the Thalians out in um, Hollywood at UCLA Medical Center is really trying to put a dent into it that's fabulous yeah, yeah. it really so, is yeah wow okay well back to your book yes you, you wrote this book with um, Rob Sturgeon I did Ron he, he's Ron okay yeah. and Ron is has a lot of business knowledge also right yeah he, he had bigger dreams than me he really went all out and achieved them and, and he's he's an amazing man i love him he came to me he has a, a some uh, salons and with him being a businessman like he is he was amazed by how many hairdressers could not build a business and pay their lease yeah and so you know he invited me one time to speak at an opening at his salon and i met his his uh, girl, Linda, and we kind of hit it off and I started doing her hair and then I got to know Ron better. And so he said, well, I want to do a book and I want to do a book to help people, hairdressers, earn a living. And he says, hands down, you're the most successful hairdresser I've ever met. He said, so I want to do a book and I want you to be a part of it, which I was very honored. So we, it took us about a year to do it. Yeah. Oh, and I God. suggested putting other people in it and everything. And the the uh, other wonderful hairdressers are in there. I picked up a few things from them, you know, the, oh, their I'm tips sure. and everything. Yeah. yeah. 
but it, it does just have a lot to do with business. It does. You yeah. really could translate this you know, the beauty into several businesses. It's a business, and I think a lot of times people forget that. Well, hard but you work. guys did not just, hard work. I mean, it's almost like a workbook. I mean, yes. it's very easy to read and to follow. Yes. It's not where like. Can, where can they find your book? On Amazon. 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 You can download it. Or and we, and we will put a link to that. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Ron, thank you. What's something you like for the listeners to take away about the book? Well, you know, I, and this is what I tell hairdressers is just because you don't own a hair salon doesn't mean you're not successful. And I owned a hair salon and it wasn't my thing. I was not politically correct enough to own a business. And I had to learn that the hard way. You know, when you have a lot of different personalities in a salon, not everybody can take strong language or, or whatever. And I wasn't willing to change. I, I stayed the same person that I was whenever I bought the salon when I became a business owner. And so that I had to learn that lesson the hard way. It was kind of a thorn in my side. And uh, I, that's why I decided to let it go. And I was also going to go to work for Joan Rivers part-time because she had got to know me a little bit. And she knew Ruta. She knew Debbie. So she said, well, you know, maybe four or five times a year you can go out with me. And I knew I couldn't do it owning that salon. And I wasn't happy, so I let I sold the salon and let it go because really my my heart is with my clients and doing my little celebrity thing out in Hollywood and getting to meet movie stars. And it was never about owning a business. So that's why I'm so passionate about people going into a leasing situation because you just don't need a big salon and you don't need a big area to work in. You just need something for you and your clients and your work ethics and you can earn a good living. And many of these these hairdressers mm -hmm. that are fabulous mm -hmm. have salons. Mm -hmm. It is very hard to make it. It is because uh, the, taxes. the taxes really, that's what I hear over and over again. Yeah. Taxes, each alive, work comp, mm -hmm. all the insurances. And mm -hmm. like you say, the turnover, you're constantly trying to fill that booth because they're moving in and out still when it fails, mm -hmm. they feel like failures. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really take it to heart. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad to see this. And I think there's certainly a huge market. Well, David didn't fail in his salon. He just, yeah, I know. No, he but, didn't, but no, a lot but do. A lot do. Yeah. A lot are not, you know. No, I made the decision to, uh, and he sold to, it. To, to sell it and everything. I gave my hair. Well, you needed flexibility to travel, too, right? Yeah, and it was beginning to interfere with that. You know, I would be out there, and my manager, Dana, would call me and say, you know, well, such and such didn't turn the alarm on last night and didn't lock the door. It was always something. It was always something, and I just didn't need it. I, did, I, I don't need to own a business to feel important. Well, and I suspect not owning a salon as far as personally, you can actually probably pocket more profits. You can because you're cutting out the middleman. Exactly. And that's what Ron and I were talking about. That's why this book is so you, you cut out the middleman and it doubles your income. So you if know? you love your hair person. Yeah. Yeah. They, you need to give them this book. You, yes, you do. Yeah. That's and, uh, my opinion. But I will say this uh, from firsthand experience with David. Now, David will be in his salon at 6 and 7 o'clock in the morning doing folks that need to have their hair done before work or an early event. And he'll be there that same day until 7 or 8 o'clock at night. He works hard. Yeah. It is very hard work. It ain't nothing easy anymore. No, it's not. Not if it's in a situation where you you have the opportunity to make a decent amount of money. It's not easy. No. He works smart, and he, he does his marketing, and he does what he needs to do. It's all in the book. It is. But and you've got so many ways for people to take advantage of Craigslist. 
Mm -hmm. um, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, those are mm -hmm. cheap. Cheap advertising. Exactly. Facebook, a lot of times they're yeah. free. Yeah, they are. And what I tell young hairdressers is, and I don't know if I said it in that book or not. I wish I had it. It's all going to come down to customer service. In the in, yes. the, in, in, in what we're living in today with all of Facebook and this, and you can order anything on television or you can order anything on your phone. It's going to come down with the hair industry and the food industry is going to be customer service because you have to have good customer service, which concerns me with these young kids because they don't interact with each other. So they don't know how to be personal. So I don't know how that's going to work in the future with younger people. I see it in the salons today that they don't talk to their client, but you've got to have good customer service, right, Jennifer? Absolutely. You absolutely do. Yeah, there's I'm not a machine to... that's going to do your hair on the horizon. I mean, you're still going to have to do something right. with your hands right. when you're doing somebody's hair, and you're going to have to listen to what that person wants because 90% of client and hairdresser relationships that don't make it, it's the communication. The Either the exactly. client is not communicating to the hairdresser what she wants or the hairdresser is not listening to the client. So you've got to really listen and be in tune. And then after you know the person and you've been doing their hair for a while, then you can have a little wine and talk and do this and do that. But the first, I would say eight times you do somebody's hair, you really need to be in tune with them until you learn each other's personality. Absolutely. I think that the lessons in this book what you're talking mm -hmm. about now, about mm -hmm. customer service, mm -hmm. what you're talking about in here would be appropriate for many types of businesses. Yes. You pointed that out earlier. Absolutely. But, but yeah, but the only thing is that you really, in, in, this, in your business, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I personally love customer service and mm -hmm. to be pampered and feel mm -hmm. special, but I want someone to know how to put this bleach on my hair because they can smile all day, but if they don't know how to do it, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, that's I've true. been there. That's true. <laughs> when David can't do it because he lives in Fort Worth and we're sure we're not able to get together all the time, it can be a disaster. Well, and, and so, let's face it, not, not every hairdresser is as talented as the next. You know what? It's a special. It, 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 it's like anything. I mean, somebody, it's some an art. folks just have that art and that. I want a hair artist. Uh huh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Not really a hairdresser. But I can see where you're coming from too on these younger clients mm -hmm. jennifer and i are from a time where we don't get caught out without our makeup on yes and our hair done yes. these kids now they're not like that mm -hmm. i don't know whether that's good or bad mm -hmm. well, I, exactly. but it's different <laughs> and it's got to be different for somebody like you in, mm -hmm. in your business and i've had to change i always say i'm, I'm beginning to be the share of hairdressers <laughs> you know, because I'm aging in a youth-driven industry, but what I have going on my side is common sense. Right. You know, like Cher. I mean, she's 71 years old and still performing today and keeping up with young people. Exactly. So if you don't have any common sense in anything that you do, you're never going to be successful. That's and, true. Uh, and being a hairdresser and working with celebrities kind of adds a little bit different element. When I first opened my salon, we were open one week and Jennifer got an interview with Entertainment Tonight. She was living in New Orleans mm -hmm. and she had to be out there the next day. And so she called me that morning at 1030 and said, baby, we got to go to LA tonight. I'm going to meet you in LA. I need my hair done. We're going to do Entertainment Tonight in the morning 
at 7 a.m. So I called Tony and I was at home. I said, you need to throw me some clothes into a bag. I had my manager cancel my appointments for the next two days. And I finished up my appointments. Tony brought me my clothes, took me out to the airport. Entertainment Tonight had set up a plane for me, got on, flew out to Los Angeles. We met at the airport. The limousine driver picked me up first and then picked you up. And at 3.30 in the morning at the Beverly Hills Wearshire Hotel where we Oh, my gosh. The pretty woman was? Yeah. We (laughs) checked in, and we're just both sitting there like, shit. (laughs) Absolutely. So we went to bed, what, we slept two and a half hours? Yeah. We got up, had a little bit of toast, did her hair, she was doing her makeup, got in the limousine, got out to entertainment tonight, finished up her hair, did the interview. And while we were in town, I wanted to see Ruta, so we went by Ruta's house in this big limousine. <laughs> you know, Ruta says, just a simple girl and her hairdresser pulling up in front of my house. <laughs> had she lunch at Musso and Frank's, uh-huh. got on a plane, flew back to uh, Texas. Oh. Yeah. Put her on a plane, and then I went home, got some sleep, and was back at my salon. But he's done many of those with me, uh, Oprah. Yeah, Oprah. Oprah, Many, though, over the years. So many. And I've always been grateful to him because he is willing, most of the time, to drop things and come help me. Oh, for sure. And and you have to take care of the celebrity. When you're a celebrity hairdresser and you're traveling with a celebrity, (laughs) you're not just doing their hair and having martinis and, you know, ordering food. You're the assistant, you're the tipper, you're the bodyguard, you're you're sure. doing, you know, I know that when we get on a plane that she, I walk behind her to take care of her, I put her on the inside seat, and, you know, it's just little things that you have to do, Right. and if you get out of the limousine, I always try to get out first, then she gets out, because you just don't know That's what, right. what's following yeah. some people, because you That's don't know true. what people has fixated on these celebrities. Oh, yeah. We've talked a lot about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, know, ironing clothes and doing this and putting a pin on the dress because the dress is, you know, hanging down a little bit. So So that's invaluable. Oh, it is. It is. I I used to, before my mother got sick, when I traveled for books, she came along, she's standing there ironing my clothes. She's doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, working you in know, theater, running around yeah. after me, and yeah, with with Ruta, and you just you know, in between changes, we, we all have been well trained. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. R- Ruta would come I'd in. I say when, that in the nicest of ways. R- Ruta would come in when we were doing Hello Dolly after uh, wearing some of those heavy dresses in Hello Dolly. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And as I'm doing her hair. And the wardrobe person is doing, she's pulled her panties out, and I'm putting monkey powder down the front of her panties because she's sweating. <laughs> I mean, you just think about these things. Then you put her back in the dress, and she goes out, and the audience has no idea that, you know, all of that had just taken Absolutely. place. Absolutely. That's the fun part. See, yeah, you know, it is. vulnerable. Yeah, I, you know, I'm she's I'm always making it, you know do my corset or yeah. the stanch up or whatever and we don't care you know we'll walk around yeah we run a him without a top on yeah yeah and powder in our panties i mean well and, and when i'm at home with her you know when we're in in the dressing room working and everything you know you just do what you have to do you change right. clothes you do whatever but when i'm at home out in la with her and she's got on a robe or something, and she's in her dressing room. I always knock on the door, and I go, are you decent? And she said, yes, honey, come in. And, you know, and she'll do this. She'll be yeah. modest. 
And I said, well, I always make sure before I come in here. And she said, well, we're at home. We're not at work. Right. And that's the way you separate it. Sure. You know? So tell yeah. her, let's, let's tell her the funny story about being at Ruta's house in, in Palm Springs. With Carol Channing? No, just you and me. Okay. And we got naked and mooned the neighbors. Oh, we did. <laughs> We we're did. having a few drinks. We're having a few drinks and out by the pool and everything. And you know, it's, it's that a beautiful. Hill. It's yeah. that older section of Palm Springs. Yeah, it's What's the movie. Uh, uh, it's where Elvis had a home. With yes, Grace it's and right yeah. around it's beautiful. Uh, movie colony. It was called the movie colony. And, and her home, her home is sitting up, so it's looking out over several. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I so said, we I had think, a few I drinks. I think there are people down. I could, we could see them in the down at their pool, staring at us. So, so yeah, we just had a So you gave them a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in Palm Springs under moonlight with Jennifer Flowers, I don't care who you are. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, yeah, yeah. The clothes are coming off. champagne. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, yeah, it's a good deal. If you want to hear a story about. Carol Channing, I'll tell you this story. Ruta loves it. Oh, it's yeah. about when we did the photo shoot with her. And my friend Larry Ferguson, who's very good friends with Dolly Parton, is also good friends with Carol Channing. And he was she, Dottie Rambo's she manager. Was Dottie, he was also years. Dottie Rambo's manager. He was on the manager bus when they had the bad accident. When they had this accident. Dottie her. Rambo was a big Christian gospel singer. Gospel singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. gospel. And uh, so anyhow, whenever Larry approached Alan about doing this photo shoot for the album cover, he said, well, David is very good friends with Carol, and can we ask him to join us? And I yes, yes, yes. So Larry and I were big Dolly Parton friends, and poor Alan, all he listened to was us talk about Dolly Parton from LAX Airport out to <laughs> Palm Springs. I'd found, like, my soul brother. So we get to Carol's house the next day, and uh, I had called Ruta, and I said, she was in Mexico, and I said, Ruta, I'm out here doing a photo shoot, as you know, with Carol, and I was wondering, do you know a makeup artist that I could use for the photo shoot? And Ruta said, oh, honey, you know, she's like Debbie and I. We do our own makeup. You know, we, we know what we're supposed to look like. You just do her hair and she'll take care of her makeup. And I said, well, OK, because Ruta said it. So it right. was true. So she's, you know, get off the phone. She's down in Mexico. We get to Carol's house and we're kind of, you know, introducing ourselves. And Carol and I are talking about Ruta and Debbie. And um, her husband said, well, OK, let's get started because they were going to a Super Bowl party. And so I had brought some eyelashes because Larry said she would not wear eyelashes, that she doesn't wear a wig or eyelashes anymore. And I said, well, I'm going to take some of Ruta's eyelashes just in case because she has to have eyelashes. So we get into her bedroom and we're picking out what clothes we're going to use in these beautiful Bob Mackie dresses. And Carol's just kind of standing there, you know. And so I said, well, I tell you what, why don't you go out, set up everything, Alan, and we'll get Carol. I'll get Carol dressed and get her hair done. So she says, go in there and get me some underwear and we're going to get this corset on me. So we get everything (laughs) on her and, you know, standing there, butt naked. And she said, oh, good, you know how to puddle my drawers to pull them up on me. She said, that's very theater of you. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so we go into the bathroom. And I said, well, where's your makeup, Carol? Why don't you go ahead and start your makeup, and then I'll do your hair. Oh, you're going to do my makeup. Ah. And I said, uh, I said, no, I said, I really want you to do your makeup. I said, because you know what you want to look like, because you know the Carol Channing character. And she said, Oh, that's very sweet of you to say that, but you're going to do my makeup. (laughs) And I thought, okay. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do her makeup. So I start looking around for makeup. I said, Carol, where's your makeup? Oh, I don't have any makeup, sweetheart. She said, when I do special appearances, they just do my makeup for me. My hand's not steady anymore. And I went, (laughs) okay. So I'm in Carol Channing's house in Palm Springs, going to do this big photo shoot. 
and there's no, no freaking makeup. Oh my gosh. And so I go in there and I tell Alan, I said, Alan, she don't have makeup. And then he said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so I go back into the bathroom with her and, you know, and she's just sitting there. She's gone into her professional mode. Yeah. You know, right. like I'm going to sit here and you're going to do your magic. Right. So I start pulling out drawers and looking. So I find one half thing of lipstick. I find some purple eyeshadow and I find some mascara. And a little bit of powder, and that's it. Oh my not, god! Not not a brush, not not a you know a little powder doodicky thing that you yeah. use to put the sponge on with. Well, I said, well, what am I going to do? I, you know, and so I, I got to find something to put the makeup on. So I look underneath the counter, and she's got some maxi pads. <laughs> so, so, so I get these maxi pads and I start cutting them up in little squares. <laughs> she said, are we getting close to starting? I said, and it wasn't that fun Carol Channing boys. This is no, like business is Carol business, Channing. Yeah. We need to get to moving on this. I said, yes, ma'am. So I take that maxi pad and I ever so lightly dab it into that powder and start and she closes her eyes and I start patting this powder on her face with this maxi pad that I've cut up and my hand just kind of shaking what a great a idea, though. It then I go in and I get the lipstick and I put a little bit on the palm of my hand and I give her a little bit of rose because yeah. I knew Alan could touch it up with the computer that yeah, we had sure. something to work with. Yeah. So I'm touching this up and she looks in the mirror and she says to me, oh, you're doing a very natural look on me. I like it. I said, it's very natural, Carol. <laughs> I said, we can go in you're and so digitize you what, you know, what we want to add something. So I did a little bit of purple around her eyes and then she put her lipstick on and I said, okay, we got to do the eyelashes now. I don't wear eyelashes. And I was like, well, what do you mean you don't wear eyelashes anymore? They're, they're too heavy on my eye. And I said, well, Carol, these are lightweight eyelashes. <laughs> lightweight. I said, these are lightweight. And they were Ruta's old eyelashes, you know, that she yeah. had kept. And I said, please, I'm not wearing eyelashes. And I said, Carol, you have to wear these eyelashes. I said, because my dream is to do Carol Channing's makeup and her hair for this photo shoot. And if you do not wear these eyelashes, you will not be Carol Channing. And my dream will not come true. <laughs> wow. And she said, well, then we must wear the eyelashes. Bless and I her. said, well, so she puts these eyelashes on, just sets them right on her eyes. We get her in the dress. We get her hair done. And she was just magical. She you got out a, there. You, you have a picture on your phone. I do. I'll oh, find it. Where, yeah, finish it. And you she got her. out there and she said, what do you want me to do? And Alan said, just be Carol Channing. So she started doing all her iconic poses. And so when we were done with the... Uh, photo shoot I got into the bathroom with her and I was taking all of her garb off and I said well let's take your eyelashes off she goes oh no I love these mink eyelashes that I'm wearing these lightweights I can wear these <laughs> she said I will wear these to the Super Bowl party I said okay and so um that that was my and so I was so mad at Ruta I called her and told her what had happened and uh, she said, honey, you're now the MacGyver of hair and makeup. Congratulations. <laughs> you are. That was, <laughs> but that was one of my favorite stories. But we made it work, and the photos were, were great. Oh you notice gosh. the impression, the Carol Channing impression he does. Well, he oh, yeah, that. I do. He I did. also yeah. do Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, not really. Well, who I least expected. I'll do, I'll, yeah. I hear the voice. Yeah, I'll do like, something. Oh, David. I'll oh, say, goodness. Jennifer, you want to go have a little dinner tonight? Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and that's Jennifer perfect. will look at me and go, now that's not funny. Now, <laughs> and then if I go into Starbucks, this really aggravates her. Oh, my name is Clinton. My first name is Clinton. 
And so I'll have them put Clinton on the on the. <laughs> but it'll say Clinton, your your order's ready. I said, you know, I'm and trying it, to be low key. Yeah. Now they're yelling Clinton out in the room. I did it one night when we went out and had dinner, and they said Clinton, your table's ready, Clinton. And Jennifer said, now that's not funny, and you need to quit dinner. I said, well, that's my God given name. She said, well, I don't care if it's your God given name or not, and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my Carol Channing story, and and uh, but she's a wonderful lady. She calls me her spiritual son. She said, "You are my spiritual son." She's so oh. sweet. So sweet, yes. So you have developed just all these fabulous relationships. Yeah, the one person that I haven't done is Cher, and I'm I'm, I'm going to get to her meet one Cher, these though. I'm going to meet her this summer, I think, you with are the summer. help of Ruta. I think she's going to make a call for me. Oh and, and Ruta says, mainly because I'm sick of hearing about the bitch. <laughs> I'm going to get you to share. I don't care what we have to do. So, you know, and if I do, I'll tell, you know, I'll say, no, look, I know you don't need another hairdresser doing your hair. And I know that I probably will not impress you. But if you would allow me to just style your hair and to spend a little bit of time with you, I would appreciate it. And so would Ruta Lee, because she's sick of hearing about you. <laughs> so you got nothing to lose when you talk to people. No, you don't. You really don't. And one other I thing, think that's I, a lesson we can kind of take away from yeah, this. Yeah, you also. have nothing to lose. I mean, you, you know. Never, you, you never know till you try, and yes. you don't know until you ask. Yes. And another thing I'm going to add is, you know, when you go to do a celebrity's hair, especially a celebrity that's been around for a little while, they've traveled the world, they've had their hair done, you better be on your game. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to blow their dress up, but th their hair needs to look on point. Right. Because these women have been around. They've had the best hairdressers, and the, here comes little Fort Worth David Blackstock in. So I never go in saying, oh, I'm really going to improv. I'm just, I just want to do a good job for you and make you happy and hopefully have a great experience with you and walk away with a picture. You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love the book. I, Thank like you. I said, I love that the book is not, it's not your memoir. No, it's not. Under the guise of a business plan. Yes. She has a plan. I he really has hate plan. it when it's all con convoluted in one book, you know? Yes. Uh, a memoir would be a good idea. That would be fun. But this is not the memoir. No, that's This not. is really a business plan. Like I said, if you love your hairdresser or you are a hairdresser, you need to have this book. Absolutely. Because this is about, like it says, retiring with a nest egg. And, and like yep. I said, that, that's, and that's, that's important. That, that's important. I mean, you want to have a good time, but at the end of the party, you want to be able to go on and live life comfortably somewhat. Exactly. You and, know? you know, there's a lot of hairdressers that sometimes they don't pay into Social Security mm -hmm. and they don't do some of those things. Nope. And one day they're old or sick and they go, I have no benefits. Nope. You're exactly right. Exactly. So yep. this, you know, a lot of people give their hairdressers gifts, you know. Yeah. I'm even bad about that. Taking, you know, or good about that, whichever it is. Yeah. They need to take this. Well, good. I, I love this industry and I love being a part of it and I love uh, to see people do well in their career. Because I'm 51 now. I'm going to be 52 in April. I've had a very good well, career. Well, you're just a babe. Well, you know, somewhat. But, uh, but I wanted to, to leave something behind for this industry, no matter 
how minute it might be to, to help somebody. Well, so, and you know, that's the beauty you know, of books. I really want people to it do well. It is our well. legacy. Yeah, I really want people to do well in this industry because it ha and I you've got to give back to something that's been good to you. So, For sure. Yeah. And, and it has been good to you. It has been very you've good You've had to a me. lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no complaints. If I dropped dead tomorrow, I would be uh, a very happy man. I've had a very good life. Considering where I started and where I am today, as Ruta says, you're a freaking miracle. And, well, uh, and you're our survivor. And he's, uh, he and Tony have been together for... Uh, it'll be 30 years in October. He and his partner, they are married. Have We're married. married. Get down. Yeah, and I'm very, very, very happy. I've got, you know, I've got the husband, I've got the house, I've got the four dogs, uh, I've got... You know, I've got everything that, that most people strive to get. And plus, I have a wonderful career, and a lot, a lot of my dreams have come and true. And still plenty of time to do Cher's hair. Right. Oh, yes. Well, yes, that, that's my thing. Matter of fact, I have a spot on my wall that's blank. And everybody will say, well, why don't you have something there? And I go, well, that's for Cher. That's for Cher. Because Dolly Parton told me, after I did her hair, I said, well, my dreams are, you know, my dream has come true now. And she said, "Will you get you another dream?" You have she to. said, "Because I do not want to be the reason that you stop dreaming. Because when you stop dreaming, you stop living. Exactly. And when you stop living, you get old." She said, "So you get another dream, and you pursue that, even if you never achieve it, you're going to work towards it." And so exactly. that's what I did. It's the journey. It's the journey. So once yes. you do share, you got to find somebody else. And it's very else. important how you handle the journey from beginning to end. Yeah, because sometimes once you reach the goal. You realize, oh darn, the journey's yeah. over. So you got to create another you journey. You got to create Absolutely. another journey. Yeah. So. Well, Grace, we got to agree to have David and Jennifer back sometimes. We yeah. absolutely do. We're having Jennifer back next Monday. Yes, oh. I'll be here Monday. So I'll have to tune in. Got lots of exciting things going. Absolutely. And yes, um, I think we can definitely agree on that. Uh, yes, I can't wait. I'm excited. And we don't always agree, but life's a journey. Yep. And we're all in this together. Remember, do not become anybody's victim. Hashtag nobody's victim. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests. Godspeed. Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Absolutely. Godspeed, everyone, and thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.